48K News. It's one o'clock. I'm Todd Harding. The headlines, the police commissioner warns that officers are stepping up intelligence gathering and security ahead of the July 1st celebrations. The chief executive says her administration will leave a decision on civil service pay to the incoming administration. And a transport expert says Hong Kong needs to do more to get people out of cars and onto public transport, including dedicated bus lanes. Police Commissioner Raymond Hsu says officers won't lower their guard in the run-up to celebrations to mark the 25th anniversary of the handover. Speaking to reporters after a North District Council meeting, the police chief said all officers, including back office and plainclothes officers, will be mobilised to take part in the security operation. He says the police are collecting intelligence online and offline, adding that some people are still using social media to incite others to break the law. The police chief says, however, there's no indication that the recent shooting in Central has anything to do with the handover celebrations. This shooting incident, from what we have gathered at this stage, is basically a dispute between two gangs in connection with some illegal activities. We think uh, there is no indication that uh, this has anything to do with the um, 1st of July uh, security operation. Mr Sue added the police have already received more than a thousand messages since the anti-terrorism hotline was launched about a week ago. Chief Executive Carrie Lam says her administration won't make a decision on pay adjustments for the civil service in order to leave the incoming administration more room to manoeuvre. But she said either way it won't have any real impact because any decision made will be backdated to the start of the financial year on April the 1st. I know that some of my colleagues in the civil service and unions may be a bit disappointed, but leaving it to the next government doesn't mean we've already reached standpoints that may please or upset some people and that we're avoiding that. It's just that it will allow room for the next government to decide on a matter that has a bearing on its governance. A transport expert says Hong Kong needs to do more to get people out of cars and onto public transport. Commenting on a Transport Bureau proposal to impose congestion charges at the city's three harbour tunnels, Alok Jane, the CEO and Managing Director of TransConsult, which provides advisory services on transportation, said the SAR's bus and rail system was fantastic, with 70% of the population living within one and a half kilometres of a railway station. He called for the government to introduce dedicated lanes for buses, including in tunnels. There is a good case of doing so. If you look at, say, for example, all the tunnels, cross-arbor tunnels, uh, you know, 80% of the people actually move through 10% of the vehicles, which are buses. And hence, there is a very good case, very good argument here for uh, having one lane dedicated to bus lanes. And that is something that uh, people have been asking for quite some time. And I think this is also a good opportunity when they are doing the dynamic pricing is to allocate one lane in each tunnel for buses uh, in the morning peak. Donald Trump has mounted a robust defence of his conduct in response to US congressional hearings into last year's attack on the Capitol building. In a 12-page document, he called the hearings a kangaroo court and an attempt by Democrats to distract Americans from the failure of the Biden administration. James Ullman is with The Washington Post. It wasn't just his campaign advisors, his own lawyers, but also his own attorney general and members of his cabinet and senior officials on his White House staff. All of them told Donald Trump 
to his face. They said under oath that he had lost the election and that Trump still went out there and claimed that he had won the election. Trump didn't just make false statements. He knew what he was saying was wrong. According to recorded video testimony from his former Attorney General, William Barr, as the result of the last presidential election came in, Mr Trump showed no interest in the facts. Mr Barr said Mr Trump instead preferred to embrace what he described as nonsense and crazy stuff. I made it clear I did not agree with the idea of saying the election was stolen and putting out this stuff, which I told the president was bullshit. And... uh, You know, I didn't want to be a part of it, and that's one of the reasons that went into me deciding to leave when I did. A United Nations tribunal has ruled that a man alleged to be one of the main financiers of the 1994 genocide in Rwanda is fit to stand trial in The Hague, where he's currently detained. The BBC's Paddy Maguire has more. Felicia Kabuga is accused of funding and arming the Hutu militias who slaughtered some 800,000 ethnic Tutsis and moderate Hutus in the genocide. His lawyers had previously sought to halt proceedings against the 87-year-old on health grounds. Kabuga had been on the run for 25 years until his arrest in 2020 in a Paris suburb where he'd been living under a false identity. He denies all the charges against him. In 1997, Kabuga was indicted by the International Criminal Court for Rwanda on seven counts including genocide and crimes against humanity. The US government has urged Britain to think again about changing its post-Brexit arrangements for Northern Ireland, saying London must not jeopardise the peace process. The EU has said it's considering legal action against the UK after Britain published proposals to reduce checks on goods being transported from Britain across the Irish Sea. The White House Press Secretary, Corinne Jean-Pierre, called on both sides to return to the negotiating table. We recognize there have been challenges uh, over the implementation of the Northern Ireland Protocol. We urge the UK and the EU to return to talks to resolve these differences. Uh, We support a strong and close EU-UK partnership. Transatlantic peace, security and prosperity are best served by a strong UK, a strong EU and the closest possible relationship between the two. Meanwhile, the British government says its plans to change the post-Brexit arrangements for Northern Ireland unilaterally are within international law. The British Foreign Secretary Liz Truss said she would have preferred to negotiate a revised settlement with the EU but accused the bloc of being unwilling to amend the previous agreement. We're doing this in a way that protects the EU single market, that makes sure they receive information about what goods are crossing the Irish Sea. So we are maintaining the core principles of what we're doing, and we are acting within international law. As intense fighting continues in the Ukrainian city of Sverdonetsk, President Volodymyr Zelensky has described the cost of the battle as terrifying. In recent days, government officials have estimated that across the whole of the front line, between one and 200 Ukrainian soldiers are being killed each day. In Moscow, the Kremlin spokesman Dmitry Peskov said the main goal of Russia's military operation in Ukraine was to protect the Donetsk and Luhansk region. The Cuban authorities have announced that 381 people have been convicted for their role in unprecedented anti-government protests last July. Here's the BBC's Leonardo Russia. More than two-thirds of the people convicted were given sentences ranging from 5 to 25 years in jail. They've been found guilty of sedition, public disorder, assault or robbery. 
The U.S. and dissident groups in Cuba say the country's communist government has used last year's protests to crack down on the opposition. During two days, thousands of people took to the streets in dozens of cities to complain against food shortages and to call for freedom of speech. The government said the protests amounted to an attack on constitutional order and the stability of Cuba's socialist state. A Canadian man who rammed his rental van into pedestrians in downtown Toronto in 2018, killing 11 people, has been sentenced to life in prison without the possibility of parole for 25 years. Alec Manassian, who was 25 at the time, was found guilty just over a year ago. Manassian drove a white rental van at full speed down streets and sidewalks in the Canadian metropolis, aiming at passers-by for a little more than a mile. Ten people were killed and 16 injured in the attack. The death toll rose to 11 at the end of October 2021 when an injured woman who had spent more than three years in hospital died from her injuries. It was the worst attack in Toronto's history. To business news, Reuters has reported that Elon Musk will speak to Twitter employees this week at a company-wide meeting since launching his $44 billion US dollar bid in April. Reuters quoted an unnamed source who cited an email from Twitter chief executive Parag Agrawal. It said the meeting is scheduled for Thursday and Musk will take questions directly from Twitter employees. Twitter said last week that it anticipated a shareholder vote on the sale by early August. Many Twitter employees have expressed concerns that the billionaire's erratic behaviour could destabilise the social media company's business and hurt it financially. Garuda Indonesia has asked administrators to postpone a vote on the flag carrier's debt restructuring proposal for two days until Friday. The Indonesian Airlines chief executive said the delay is necessary to finalise administrative matters and to harmonise the input of stakeholders on the restructuring proposal. Garuda creditors had been expected to vote on the restructuring proposal tomorrow. Garuda started the court-led restructuring process on December the 9th after a vendor petitioned the court over unpaid bills. Stock markets in the US, Asia and Europe have fallen heavily on growing fears of an economic slowdown as central banks raise rates to curb inflation. The losses reflect continuing alarm over surging rates of inflation and the health of the US economy. The BBC's Michelle Fleury reports from New York. The heavy selling meant that by Monday's financial market close, the S&P 500 was officially in a bear market after falling more than 20% below its recent all-time high back in January. The Nasdaq and the Dow also sold off sharply. To tame inflation, the US central bank had signaled plans to raise interest rates in half-point increments. But with data showing prices continuing to move in the wrong direction, speculation is growing that America's Federal Reserve is about to go bigger with a three-quarters percent rate hike. Australia lost more than 4%, while in Tokyo the Nikkei 225 was off 1.5%. Locally, a short time ago, the Hang Seng Index was at 20,893. That's 180 points down on the previous close. Turnover stands at $70 billion. To currencies, the US dollar is trading at 134.6 yen, the euro is standing at 1 US dollar and 4 cents, and the pound is worth 9 Hong Kong dollars and 56 cents. To sports news, Hong Kong's football team are on the verge of qualifying for the Asian Cup. All they need is a draw against India. Hong Kong enter tonight's final qualifying match as Group D leaders, having beaten Afghanistan and Cambodia this past week. Depending on other results, the SAR could even qualify before taking the pitch. 
Our football commentator Chris K.L. Lau says a place in the Asian Cup would be a massive achievement for Hong Kong. This is Hong Kong's best chance to qualify for the Asian Cup since 1968. So a whole generation of Hong Kong fans have just endured endless disappointments in international football. So this win could really change it all around. Hong Kong's group draw has been much kinder than the 2019 Asian Cup qualifiers where they had to face North Korea, Lebanon and Malaysia. Winning the group would generate more interest in domestic Hong Kong football and hopefully bring in new fans. Fans would normally say it would take a miracle to qualify, but now the chance has presented itself. It would be a miracle not to qualify. This game could change Hong Kong football forever. Hong Kong versus India kicks off at 11 tonight. You can watch it live on RTHK Channel 32. Elsewhere in football, the first of two intercontinental playoff matches for a place in the Qatar World Cup was decided on penalties. Valera has it saved! Australia are heading to the World Cup finals! Andrew Redmayne is their hero! Australia have qualified for their fifth consecutive FIFA World Cup. They got past Peru 5-4 on penalties after no goals were scored through 120 minutes in their intercontinental playoff match in Doha. More from the BBC's Alex Capstick. A dramatic finale in what was a tense, scrappy affair with Australia's substitute goalkeeper Andrew Redmayne, the unlikely hero, in a nail-biting conclusion. The decision with penalties looming to replace captain Matt Ryan proved to be a masterstroke when Redmayne plunged to his right, keeping out Alex Valera's effort to seal the victory. For the first time in the entire match, the thousands of Peruvian fans who had been magnificently boisterous throughout fell silent. But in truth, their team had been disappointing, unable to crack open organised and hard-working opponents. Australia's performance is unlikely to worry their Group D opponents at the World Cup, which includes France and Denmark, but today was all about qualifying. It wasn't pretty, but with a prize so important, nobody wearing the green and gold will care one jot. The final World Cup spot will be decided tonight when New Zealand take on Costa Rica in Doha. Luka Modric scored, a, scored in a 1-0 win for Croatia over France in the UEFA Nations League. Modric converted a penalty just five minutes into the game at the Stade de France. The result leaves the world champions bottom of Group A1, seven points behind the leaders Denmark, who defeated Austria 2-0. The Nations League continues tonight with Germany hosting Italy, Wales facing the Netherlands, Belgium travelling to Poland and England currently bottom in their group taking on Hungary. To the weather forecast, it'll be cloudy with showers and a few squally thunderstorms. Moderate to fresh southwesterly winds, occasionally strong offshore and on high ground. The outlook, showers and squally thunderstorms in the next few days. Currently, the observatory, the temperature is 29 degrees Celsius. The relative humidity now at 85%. And please be advised, the thunderstorm warning has been extended until 3 o'clock this afternoon. New sports and weather from RTHK. Oh, 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 
Welcome to the 123 Show with me, Sadia Osmani. Yep, we are here again and it's Tuesday, which means we talk food.